Dane Gingrich is one of the top senior professionals in pickleball. And as you might imagine, he has incredible belief on the court that really leads him to success. Now, it wasn't so long ago that Dane had some off-court struggles where he almost ended it all. So this is going to be a really interesting podcast episode where we talk about mental toughness, self-awareness, and belief. So let's get to the intro to hear from Dane. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Dane Gingrich. How are you doing today, Dane? Fantastic, Lynn. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad we could finally make this happen. We've been bouncing around our calendar, so it's um, it's uh, super exciting to to be here with you. Your show is is exploding. Congratulations on your success. Thank you very much. And like you said, I am so glad we are able to connect. And really, it's I'm glad it's at this time because the audience is is growing, and you've got a really message. I think when you talk about pickleball. But anyways. I'm digressing a little bit because always the first thing I do like to ask when somebody is on the podcast, when did you start playing pickleball and how long ago that was? So my stepdad got me into the game. I think the very first game I ever played might have been three and a half years ago, maybe four now, but I played for an afternoon for about five hours, nonstop, no breaks. Um, couldn't walk for two weeks, literally couldn't walk down the stairs without massive pain for two weeks. Didn't realize how much I had to squat to be good. And then I didn't, and then I didn't play again for a year and a half for whatever reason. I don't know. I caught the bug. I loved it, but I was into other things. And so probably my, my very first tournament was at the end of 2008. I started playing maybe the summer of 2018, pretty seriously. And then I played a tournament and then I jumped right into nationals of, of 2018. And then it has been full speed ahead. How can we get better? How can I grow? How can I evolve? And then how can I help other people do the same? So it's been, as you know, as everybody says, once you're on the court, you're totally hooked and no different here. All right. I do have to ask about that comment that you said you played for five hours. You couldn't walk for two weeks. Now, does that mean you were out of shape at the time? That means I, I was pickleball out of shape because even in tennis, when I was playing tennis, I, I and I wasn't competing at tennis in that time, I was definitely out of pickleball. And that means quads, hamstrings, calves, but there was nothing that I had ever done where I would be in a squatting position most of the entire point. So yes, rub it in, Lynn, rub it in. My legs were definitely out of shape. All right. I, I didn't mean to rub it in. I just had to ask you about that. <laughs> Love it. All right. Now, a lot of people, like you said, when we were talking a little bit earlier, there's a lot more videos out there of the top players playing. You are one of the top senior pro players, certainly. But if people have just been watching videos about the game, I'm not sure that they know that you're also a mental toughness coach. What does that mean? Yeah. So I, I started doing that on the, on the tennis court. I, I realized when I was in, I taught tennis for over 12 years and I realized something, something I was doing, there was something missing. 
And my dad and I had talked about the mental game since I five, six years old. And we talked about what separated Magic Johnson and Larry Bird from everybody else. And he had just instilled that that physical is, you know, important, obviously. But the next level was all about the mental game, whatever that meant. So he had worked that into, you know, my DNA since I was a little kid. So I started working with my tennis clients on, quote, the mental performance piece and had immediate success. And then I said, wow, I started studying it more and really getting into it. And when I stopped teaching tennis and and transferred over to the pickleball, it was an automatic and super easy transition. No mental performance is about the intangibles, right? It's about the things that we can't really see with our eyes that create the champions, right? It's, it's not about how powerful your forehand is or how good your roll backhand is. It's about how you perform in the biggest moments under the highest level of stress. And the greatest part about this, Lynn, is mental performance means a million different things for everybody, right? There's no stock program. Everybody's built differently. Everybody's wired differently. But how can we help you perform under maximum stress that how can we help you execute physically when your brain or your emotions, your fear and your doubt are screaming at you to play passively or hesitantly? So that's the mental performance in a nutshell. And pickleball, the pickleball community has been overwhelmingly engaging, blown my mind. People, players instinctively understand that, that there's got to be more to it. Ben. For example, Ben Johns, and we can name all the top players, but Ben has dominated for the last couple of years. And most people see his physical skills and they see how long he is and he covers the court. But not many people actually understand how mentally and emotionally tough he is and how much study he puts in behind the scenes that he never talks about because he doesn't want you to know. What separates Ben is not his physical gifts. It's his mental you know, dominance. And so that's what I do full time as, as a coach. But you know, also as a player trying to instill the same, you know, the same type of things that, that I help others with in my own game. Now you bring up Ben Johns and that actually is a good point because he had won, I think a a record number of single matches in a row. And then one day he lost. Uh Uh-huh. What do you you think that was physical or mental? I, so that was TOC when he, lost to J-Dub at TOC. I would be arrogant to to give an opinion on why or how. I just think sports, it's tough to hold the spot. And every time they walk on the court with Ben, they're at 100% and they're wanting to knock off the champion. They're not going to come on lackadaisical and unfocused. They're going to come on 100% focused. So if Ben is for what, and I would never pretend to know why or what was going on but if if he lacked any focus whatsoever if he was tired if he was whatever if he was injured at all and they're not it's just how sports goes right you can't not lose you have to be able to to be defeated my my bigger point is how he responds now coming back next year when he takes a break because he's not going to play national so after masters in la quinta he's going to take a break. I'm more interested to see the how he comes the next year lit up. Will he be lit up? And I highly, you know, 
anticipate that being the case. But to know why, or it's sports. Everybody's good, right? And if you have an off day and they have an on day, you're going to lose. We're just used to him being able to pull out these matches and just we think of him as superhuman. The dude is 22. He's a human being, right? And, and J-Dub played great that day. And other doubles teams, men's and mixed, have beaten him as well. And, and so you got to give huge credit to them instead of what's wrong with Ben. The game is growing. Everybody is improving literally by the week. See improvements in people's games. And pickleball, there are only a few amount of shots you hit anyway. So it's, about, it's all about understanding players' tendencies and trying, to, and trying to counter what they do well. And if your counter is better than their counter, you're going to have a little edge. Ben, though, I anticipate, absolutely know he's studying his losses and he's going to come back stronger than we've seen in, in the upcoming year. But I don't, everybody's so good now. It's just going to be hard to not lose a match. We're just so spoiled that he won 8 million matches in a row, singles, mixed, and men's, that we think that the dude should never lose. And that's just not how sports at a high level works. Very true. And let's go back to not just professional athletes and professional pickleball players, but certainly amateurs can feel pressure on the court. How do you learn how to handle that? It's just like anything. And first understanding, and A, and I've talked about this quite a bit, I don't even like the word pressure. I think it's made up. I, I like, and it doesn't mean we don't feel stressed. It doesn't mean our, our body doesn't physiologically respond differently. But just like anything, handling big moments is a muscle. It's a skill set. And there's not one way to, but it does take intentional practice. And being intentional and accepting that in the biggest moments at 9-9, we are physiologically and emotionally going to feel different than we do at 1-1. And what does that mean for us individually? How do we respond? Do we get overly aggressive? Do we get passive? Do we get scared? Do we, what do we do? And learn from our own, our own unique tendencies in those biggest moments. So what do we do under, you know, pressure and stress? Everybody has a different answer, but I think it does start with accepting the fact that you're going to feel different in the bigger moments. So it's learning how to override whatever weakness shows at nine, nine, at nine, nine, I'm overhitting. Okay. Let's tackle that problem by doing this. At nine, nine, I'm being really scared and I'm, you know, I'm afraid to miss. Okay. Let's learn how to be a little bit more aggressive. How do we do that? We practice, we take lessons, we take clinics. We are, we should be super intentional during our rec games, right? There's a lot to learn during rec games that most people don't understand. They play rec to, and there's nothing wrong with playing rec to have fun, but if you're a tournament player playing rec to also learn how to somehow bridge the gap between the freeness we feel in rec and the tightness we feel in tournaments that's rarely explored by players right and and so just like anything it's a muscle it's a skill set that we have to that we have to rep regularly now when you played tennis and you played tennis professionally were you mentally tough so first off i played tennis semi professional i never on the atp tour i played the futures and and that level mental. I was lucky to be born with a certain level of focus. And I was lucky to be able to laser in and, and, and bring that at a really early age. 
And that's not something I trained. I was born with it. Now, parts of it, yes, you have to train and you absolutely have to rep, like we said earlier. But I feel like I went through phases. I, I would call myself mentally really focused, but I went through a phase when I was young where I was a hothead. And I went through a couple of years where I would let my anger override my performance. So in those, you know, those couple of years from 15 to 17, 18, maybe I was still really focused, but I allowed my emotions to override. As I got older, I still remained, but I learned how to emotionally stay somewhat centered, but still live. And I do it in pickleball too. Like the more fired up we are, the better I play. The more players that are watching on center court, the better I play. So I think part of it is you've got to love that internally. It's got to be part of your DNA. And another part is that part that is trainable, where you learn how to focus in those huge moments when people are watching. So yeah, I've always, the short answer is yes. For the most part, I've always prided myself on being mentally pretty tough. Now, you said you were born with just that innate ability to focus, which certainly is unique. But have there been times in your life where maybe you were lacking some other part of mental toughness, like maybe belief in your yourself, and that doesn't necessarily have to be in the sports world, but it could also be in the business world? Sure. I, I, and I think anybody who says they never lacked the belief is lying. We're human beings. So we're, I think it's just a matter of how much and at periods of our life, we come in and out of it. Right now, I've never had, I've had the most self-belief I've ever had on the court, off the court, as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a player, I've never had more. Now, were there times younger where I lacked it? Absolutely. And I went through 10 years at least of, of pretending I was when deep down that imposter syndrome was spinning around in, in my stomach where I didn't believe in myself in certain areas. Athletically, I always believed, but off, off of the court, there were times, of course, where I lacked belief. And that has been a lifelong process of how to override and, and learn how to do that. And, I, and again, I don't know that there's one way for everybody. I think that it's just a lifelong process. And it's a, it's something that we wake up, we should be waking up, learning how to do every minute and going to sleep, thinking about it. And, and I think because self-belief and self-confidence and being secure within our own skin, I think that is on the court, off the court, every facet of our lives. And there was one point, I believe, when you were starting your business where you really did have some tough times. Can you talk about that? Yeah. 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 I haven't talked about this one in, in quite a while. I haven't written about this in, in quite a while. So my daughter's 12. So two years, you know, a year and a half before that, as I quit my tennis job and I started my own business and didn't realize how tough it was going to be, I hit a uh, you know, pretty hard state of depression. And I say that um, knowing how many people fight through it and hide from it. And I never told anybody. I never told my wife I told, I, I did tell one person while I was going through it and he helped me with one sentence and it, he, he said, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. Outside of that person, I didn't tell anybody. And I went as far as planning my suicide, right? So 14 years ago, maybe. And I haven't talked about that in quite a while. And, and I think it's really important now 
that this is being talked about more, people falling into this. And there, there are different layers of this, of depression, right? And I was definitely at a, at a really dark time in my business where I just didn't see the light. It was supposed to be easy. Everything else athletically came, came to me pretty easily. And this was a huge struggle. And yeah, I planned that. And I, I thank goodness, didn't have the, the quote courage to go through with it. And, and from that kind of moment on, I, I just wanted to explore explore what it meant to be there and how to get out of it and how to help others. And there was a part of my career too, before, before the pickleball, where I was helping, where one of my you know main mission statements was to help others shine a light on their darkness and help them realize that they're not alone. Is I think when we go through it, we feel like we're alone, which makes us feel even worse, which, which puts us into a darker time. So that has been an everyday, all day process of learning and another state of mental and emotional toughness that has nothing to do with sports. And I think in a while back, I had a podcast too, where we shared our, we were shared our struggles and the podcast exploded millions of hits because people resonated with pain and because they felt alone. You know, this has definitely been a lifelong process of how to take control mentally and emotionally on the court, off the court, in life, in business, within your family. And I think it touches all points. Yeah. When you talk, it's really interesting because I think as a person, as an athlete, as a business person, I was always the opposite. I had less belief in my athletic skills than I did maybe in a career or business skills. But I think there's really a lot of overlap between coming to believe in you and yourself as a person, as an athlete, as a business person. How can people learn to believe in themselves more? That's a loaded question. That's a tough question. And again, just like anything, I I, I don't think that there's one way. I, I, I think that there is the umbrella of self and making it intentional to to go learn as much as you can about yourself. I think self-awareness um, plays a huge role in our self-belief. I think being aware of our strengths, being aware of our weaknesses is hugely important. And I think what happens very often, and especially in our society, is we're so focused on such a young age, from such a young age also, to improve our weaknesses and what we don't do well. And let's really highlight and focus on what we don't do well, what we don't do well, make those better. And instead of really talking about and focusing on from a young age, what we do well, what we were born with, what our superpowers were, what just innately, like you said, instinctively comes natural to us. I think from an early age, a lack of self-belief starts to take over because we're so inundated with our weaknesses. And Obviously, there's a place where in sport, especially where we have to plug those leaks, we have to plug those weaknesses, but still not enough attention goes to our superpower. So I do believe, number one, it has to be an intentional focus, self-belief. Number two, what do I do really right off the court, on the court, as a business person? What are my superpowers? And let me put all my chips into the middle of the table on those things. How can you not believe when you put all of your attention on the things you do really well? 
And I think that's where a, a ton of the lack of belief comes from because we rarely look at the things we do. We spend the majority of our time trying to improve weaknesses because that's what we've been told will make us successful. But in reality, what makes us successful is our, our super improving some weaknesses. And if we're talking athletically, improving those weaknesses will give us a chance in pickleball. If we can't dink our backhand cross court, we have to make that better. But what we've improved, right? The weaknesses that we improved will only give us an opportunity. Our superpowers, what we do really well, I'm really aggressive. I like to hit my, I'd like to be really long. I, I'm whatever that thing is, that's going to take us over the edge into the podium, right? If we're talking pickable. Now, business and personal life, I'm actually a believer in going all in on your strengths and deleting the weaknesses, not focusing on them. And, and I think as we talk about self-belief, I think that plays a huge role. And let's start with highlighting those things we do really well and let's shove our chips in on those. And watch what that does to your self-belief. All right. I think that's um, great advice, both on the personal side and on the athletic side. And I know, Dane, I could sit here and talk to you all day, every day, but I I did promise getting you in and out in about 30 minutes. So I'm just going to ask two more questions and you can make the answers as short or as long as you like. But one of them is, which pickleball paddle do you use and why do you like it? I play with the uh, Electrum Pro and I... I switched a year and a half ago and I, I like it because it, it's just, it feels like a tennis racket in my hand. It, it's thin. It's got a ton of spin, a ton of power. I can bend the ball. It's just got more spin and power than any paddle out there. And, and I believe Electrum was above head of the curve with their technology that you see one, one brand specifically, but I believe, and I tell, and I'm telling all of my students this now, listen, the game is evolving to faster, quicker, more spin, more power, less dinking. We'll always need to dink. We'll always need to hit drops. The game's going to be played at the kitchen and it's going to be played fast, aggressively with a ton of spin. So my prediction by the end of 2022, because of what Electrum has done is half of the brands will be, will, will move into that spin technology. And by 2023, almost all of them will have a version of a power slash spin gritty paddle because if you don't you're just losing a huge edge on the competition and and that's why i like that's why i like electrum i just think they're still way ahead of the curve their technology interesting and is that top spin and slice it's everything it's so gritty mohith the founder of electrum has was just so ahead of his time right you can hit i mean you can roll spin with topspin, you can slice, you can hit inside out. Your serves will bend three to four feet if you do it correctly. And at the same time, it's got a ton of power and feel, right? In, in, and it's strange to have a power paddle, with, but it's one of the easiest resetting paddles I've ever played with. And I played with a softer paddle before this. And I just think, I just believe all paddles will be like this, just like in tennis. It went from wood to graphite to all the different technologies. And now everything's the different string technology and Babolat and the gra- every racket had to step up and, and, or, or they lost. And I, I think pickleball is headed down the, the same, just like we see with the serves. Everything's changing. Everything's evolving. Everything's growing. Technology's no different. 
All right. Now, given uh, what we've gone over in this podcast, I know people are going to want to reach out to you and uh, maybe get some mental toughness coaching, see you on the pickleball court with a clinic or whatnot. How can they reach out to you? How can they find out about where you're teaching? I think first off, I, I want to make this all about value to your audience. And if people want to reach out and ask questions, that's awesome. But I, I want to make this show about, and I want your audience to to go away with asking themselves how to become a little bit more self-aware within their game. What do they do really well and really go all in on that? I think that's really for your audience to start tapping into instead of listening to the generic cliche of you have to, you just got to focus all your time on what you don't do, what you don't do well. And I think happiness within their game is going to come from embracing what they do really well while obviously spending time on their, on, on the things that, that they're not as good at. So that being said, if they want to reach out, they can coach.com. That's my site and all of my social media and email and all of that is, is there. So that's coachdane.com. So super excited to be here. I hope I added a little value to your community. And I think as this game evolves, we want to stay ahead of the curve and stay intentional with how the game is evolving and changing, whether you're a tournament player or not. I think this is such an amazing game. It's so easy to learn. It's so social and so huge community. The community is so huge. I just think it's just, isn't it amazing? Like on a side note, isn't it just amazing, Lynn, how this game has exponentially exploded in the last year or so? I mean, it's just a, blowing every sport out of the water. Oh, it's, it's crazy. And I'm like you, I actually got into pickleball relatively recently in mid 2018 when I moved to Connecticut and it's just, it's gone crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not slowing down, right? This is not a fad, right? This is people back in the day thought the interwebs was a fad, right? This is the same thing. This is not slowing down. It's going to keep growing and keep evolving. And I'm really infinitely fascinated to see where this game what this game looks like in 2023 versus what it looks like now. I just have this weird feeling that it's just going to look so different. We're going to be hitting shots and doing things with that ball that we just didn't think were was possible today. All right. I will remember your prediction and look forward to seeing what happens. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for being on. I appreciate it, Dane. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 